Hey, uh, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the first episode of The Copper and the Lawyer. So uh, my name is Dave Gibbs. I recently semi-retired from uh, the police, so I've been 13 years as a police officer in Western Australia. Uh, of that 10 years as a detective, I've worked in all kinds of areas from gang crime through to organised crime through to uh, child abuse and things like that. And uh, I recently left the force, but uh, I'm now taking the opportunity to talk about kind of the law. And joining me today is the great and powerful Samir Banger. Samir, want to introduce yourself? So unlike Dave, I've worked on the other side. David would be the one prosecuting or at least gathering the evidence in certain cases where I'd be the one defending. We have to get into the irony of what people feel about what defence actually is at some mm -hmm. point too. But look, I've been in the law and in around the law for about 10 years now. One of my major areas has been criminal law, running hearings, being in trials, working in different jurisdictions from the Supreme Court upwards and down. Look, I love criminal law. One of the main reasons is because it's so enjoyable. But like you, Dave, it's one of those points that we really need to talk more about. It, and I think we need to get more awareness into the community. Absolutely. So I want to start off with a few statistics, which I've noted down. You did some research. So uh, the latest is off from 2020. So in 2020 in Australia, there were 1,842 deaths directly as a result of drugs, i.e. from the perspective that's drug overdoses, deaths as a result of taking drugs. Um, that gives us a rate of 7.2 per 100,000 people which puts us kind of in the mid-table of the world, to be honest. It's not great, but it's not the worst. In 2019, uh, the National Drug Study identified that 9 million Australians, that's 43%, who are 14 and over, had used illicit drug in the previous year. 43%. 12.7% um, of 16 to 24 year olds have a substance use disorder as self-identified by them and that's uh, weighted heavily in favor of males versus females from a uh, enforcement perspective uh, 2020 38.5 tons of drugs were seized coming into australia or in australia that was a 45 percent increase on previous years um, of that 90 percent of that was actually meth um what else we got here? 75% of crime, uh, so people coming into police detention, 75% of people who submitted to voluntary drug analysis that their urine contained illicit drugs, shocker. And 65% of prison entrants um, said that they use drugs on a regular basis, mainly being ice. Since, uh, where are we? Since 1971, haven't got the figures for Australia, but 1971 is kind of when the drug war officially started. The US alone has spent $1 trillion on fighting the drug war. And the cost of the war of drugs in Australia on a yearly basis is somewhere between $1.1 and $1.5 billion per year. But that is just purely to investigate specifically drugs. That's not all the other crimes which happen as a result of drugs. That's just drug investigation. And last, in 2020, $11.3 billion was spent by Australians on drugs. So I think it's fair to say that the war on drugs, we failed, we lost. What do you reckon? Uh, I think that's a very conclusive answer. I need to go anywhere from that. Those statistics are pretty grave. And quite frankly, 
repeating the same old isn't going to achieve anything. The problem is how we look at drugs partly and the fact that just throwing money at something that's not really working is not getting us anywhere. Look, I think partly, David, it's the thinking process, really, what people think of it, how it's thought about. And still, when you see it in the court system, I'm sure you're seeing it as well, when, when you see someone sentenced on a drug matter, the magistrate or judge will give them the shellacking on how bad drugs mm -hmm. are. And these days, they turn to the cartels and what happened there and the issues that people that might have passed away or have been hurt in the process. But we don't actually look at the issues that we're creating in our own country by enforcing this and the money we're wasting and the fact that the issues that you just mentioned, people are doing ODing and stuff like that on drugs that we could deal with better rather than dealing. You know, we're probably fighting on the wrong level, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I think the start of the conversation has to be is that um, there are different kinds of drugs. Not all drugs are created equal. There are different classes of drugs and different drugs are more dangerous than others. So if you take drugs like uh, cannabis is a good example. Now, cannabis at the moment, depending which state you're Australia, in Australia you're actually in, could be legal in small amounts, but in other states it's not. My personal belief, and again, this is basically, in my career I spent out of 13 years, nine of those essentially invested in drugs. So that's literally all I did in my deceptive career, which is organized crime, gang crime, drug and firearm squad. I just investigated drug dealers. So that's literally all I've done. And cannabis, to be honest, I think is a complete waste of the police's time. If you look at all the research on cannabis, it is no more harmful than alcohol. Now, I'm not saying alcohol isn't harmful, but bearing that in mind, I think we need to stop wasting money as a community on actually enforcing and criminalizing people for cannabis and just legalize it legalize it control it tax it license it you know follow the model that's happened overseas and every time all the time you do something like that it just frees up more policing time to actually deal with more serious drugs i mean what's your view on that so i agree with most of it i guess the only thing i would probably start with decriminalizing it in the first place yep. and then work my way out but i Look, I completely agree. I think our conclusion or the end result will be the same. Tax it, legalize it, have places you can smoke weed, your own house, for example. I probably wouldn't go as far as Canada, whereas I believe in certain streets you can go mm -hmm. down walking down the yep. streets smoking cannabis because I still hate the smell of cannabis yep. regardless. But you know what? That's, that's yep. different. That's a discussion we can have later. But step by step, I would start by decriminalizing and then working towards mm -hmm. it. Look, I think it's... I think smoking is more harmful. And I I actually fundamentally believe one of the reasons that they're not legalizing it or decriminalizing cannabis is it's so easy to grow yourself. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have you have to purchase cigarettes and the amount of tax money they'd make on that. So that's probably one of yep. the issues I see. But you're right. If you can't grow it yourself, for example, you have to purchase it. There is tax paid on it. It's a start. It's a segue into it. And you wouldn't be wasting those resources. And the other thing to point out is in a lot of states, there's a cannabis caution system anyway, where the mm -hmm. police officer actually has the ability to caution you. And I'm sure certain police officers don't even want to be doing that because, as you said, it's a waste of time. When, if you look at a different drug, meth, for example, way more dangerous. And I don't think yeah. many people are going to turn around and say, look, meth is okay. So, no. as you said, look at the drug itself. Yeah, look, I completely agree with the decriminalisation. I mean, I would go as far to say is that we should decriminalise all personal possession of all drugs. I mean, I guess from my experience, 
I don't see what benefit anybody gets, whether it's the individual themselves or society as a whole, to send somebody to court for possessing a personal amount of drugs, whether that is cannabis, heroin, meth, whatever. In some cases, you are criminalizing somebody who wasn't a criminal beforehand, and you're you know you're giving him a uh, a criminal record which is seriously going to affect his life. So in Western Australia in terms of like travel and things like that and going overseas, employment, you know, I don't see any benefit to do it. Now, I don't know what you have over there, but in Western Australia, we have this thing called drug court, which at the moment is still a very, very small um, part of the justice system and is actually very hard to get into. But I've seen drug court work extremely well with people who are happy to plead guilty to their offence and they will go through drug court, go through uh, urine analysis and rehab as part of that process and actually come out the other side now not using drugs, which ultimately is what the aim should be of any kind of like um, punitive measure really is to prevent further offending. And they've got moved away from drugs. But, you know, do you have drug court over there? Again, very similar to you, it's a very small part. Most matters are still dealt with in the local court or the mm-hmm. magistrate's court for other states. For the district court, which is the forgotten what it is now, county court for certain other states. So, well, again, some territories don't have the district court to go straight to Supreme. But look, generally speaking, yes, most matters will be dealt with in the local or district. We have a, we have a drug court, very mm-hmm. similar to the WA system. It's just not widespread enough very difficult to get into it's effectively mm-hmm. a ballot i believe yep. to actually get into the drug court here which isn't exactly no. the best way to do it and you'd think with matters especially small matters they could be dealt with that way or even matters where there's ongoing addiction if you can get rid of that person's addiction you're getting rid of the underlying issue so why yep. wouldn't you push people towards that so i completely agree it, it seems completely logical to expand drug court massively and i've never understood why that doesn't happen i don't know if it's just purely a resource issue or i don't know i i, I don't see a, a political will in general to do anything about drugs other than appear to be acting tough on talking about drugs but not actually dealing with the problem so i mean cannabis is a classic example so a large proportion of the cannabis in western australia is controlled by essentially vietnamese organized crime so Right across Perth, um, you have grow houses where somebody rents a house from some poor bugger who's almost rented his house out. And next thing he knows, he's got uh, five bedrooms of cannabis plants and his house destroyed. And, you know, all that money at the moment is just going offshore into organized crime. And there is no benefit to the community whatsoever. I just think if, if, if we were to legalize cannabis, it just takes organized crime completely out of the picture and gives us actually something that, you know, there are, there's lots of research in the camera. I've not ever been a drug user, and I don't, I don't know if, if it was legal, would I use it? Look, I don't know, I'm old, who cares? But, like, the point is that people are using drugs every day, you know, and I, I don't know what you think, but I don't think the fact that drugs are illegal has ever stopped anybody using drugs who wanted to use drugs. I didn't go, oh, no, I would have done that, but it's illegal. Let me tell you this, actually. Let me take you a step further. Lawyers use drugs. Doctors use drugs. Yep. In fact, doctors, the medical profession uses drugs a lot. Yep. Police use drugs. Yep. The army use drugs. Okay, this is very generalized. Not everyone does. But the point is, in the industry, people use drugs. Truck drivers are not the only ones who use drugs, yet everyone seems to know truck drivers use drugs to stay awake during their hardcore mm-hmm. shifts. But everyone does it. 
I have had people come to me, clients who are doctors, clients who are lawyers. I know of people who have been in the military and have been caught but then let go. But if people have this misconception or misguided view that it's only a very small section of society and it's only the poorer sections of society that use drugs, you are completely incorrect. I can tell you I've been personally at parties with other people of the similar profession to mine, say a doctor party, medicine, I'm going to call it a doctor party, where drugs have been openly used, such as cocaine mm-hmm. and a bunch of other drugs. I'm like you, Dave. I don't, I, I haven't used it. I still, I wouldn't use it even if it's legalized. However, the way it's done is completely wrong. And people need to see that there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. Don't just listen to, don't just read the front page of the paper and think it's only a certain section of the community that takes it. There's a section that gets caught or a section mm-hmm. that's more likely to get caught. Yeah. However, yeah. more sophisticated individuals don't necessarily get caught or it's very rare for them to get caught, but they're still using and I think people don't realize as well that the entire drug market has changed completely in the last 10 years with the introduction of like um, the internet. But so I went to a presentation like in 2013 from the AFP talking about the dark web. And I was like blown away by, you know, they started talking about bitcoins and stuff. And I should have bought some of them back then but anyway. And uh, I ended up working in the Western Australian police, they had this thing called the MEF transport team where they started looking at drugs coming into Western Australia other than through the traditional methods of like the drug dealer around the corner. And what we discovered was just the amount of um, drugs coming through the postal system is absolutely off the scale. There's so many drugs coming through the postal system because there's just so much post. It is literally impossible to stop it all. And the difference here is that Joe Schmo is now not going to the hairy bloke at the corner to buy his his drugs. He's jumping onto the dark web and he's finding whatever he wants from wherever he wants and ordering it directly and it's coming to his house. So the drug market has actually changed. And what we found when we came to um, looking up some of these people, that these people were not, did not in any way, shape or frame fit the idea of the stereotype of a drug dealer at all. You know, we had some uh, really quite young guys who were honor students, really, really intelligent kids who were ordering hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of XT tablets on the dark web and making a lot of money. But, they, you know, they're not your traditional idea of a, of a criminal. And it wasn't the same. Well, you're absolutely right. It's not that social class or the underclass everyone thinks of. Yes, right at the bottom, the people who are habitually using meth on a daily basis you know, it's pretty hard to maintain uh, a good standard of life when you're in that situation. But drug use, you know, 43%, 9, 9 million people, 14 and over, are using drugs. So, you know, the, the horse has kind of gone out the stable door and is run down the road. It's just, it's, it's too late. It's gone. It's happening in society. And really now, there's a whole other discussion to have. Is why do people use drugs in the first place? Well, that's an even, that's an even bigger discussion. But at the moment... People are using drugs, and it's not like they're going to stop anytime soon because they're illegal. So I don't know. I would just rather we had some control and take organised crime out of it because at the moment the people who are making literally millions and millions and millions of dollars out of the drug trade in Australia, they're not in Australia. They're overseas somewhere. They're in Dubai. They're in Thailand. You know, they're in Vietnam. They're they're certainly not in Australia. And they're not the ones who are getting caught anyway. You look at these massive drug hauls that the 
been made makes big news and it's great you know everyone stands there with big bags of drugs haven't done a great job it's normally the minion at the bottom who ends up going to prison yeah. for 20 years which is yeah fair enough no worries yeah but we're not stopping the drugs coming in and i'll give you a classic example i was involved in uh, a big drug seizure where are we are you for last i think it was 186 kilos of meth uh, coming to western australia via the road so that was, I think, at the time, pretty much one of the biggest seizures ever and uh, one of the, I think, the biggest ever sort of road seizure. Now, after that seizure, tell what didn't happen. We didn't run out of meth in WA. Okay? There was no shortage. There was no people on the street going, where's my meth? And the price didn't go up. So what does that tell you? It tells you that the supply is such a level that even a seizure of that size is making no difference. So we have to figure out how to kind of do things better and differently. Look, and you've raised a very interesting point there with that seizure, what's happened afterwards, the practical effect or the practical impact of that seizure was next to nothing. People are still getting their drugs. And it's very odd that we keep targeting the same people. And as you said, Dave, spot on, and people need to realise this, the minions, the runners, they might be lower middle level. Let's mm -hmm. give them that at the top. Yeah you are not getting the upper echelon they're usually protected and most of these people won't rat them out anyway because there's other consequences for them yeah. you stop that or you deal with that issue and you the drug issue will start to disappear will start to disappear or at least slow down or at least get to a lower level but the way it's working now is completely redundant it might have been the way that we looked at it 50 60 years ago mm -hmm. it's purely punitive there is very little emphasis on rehabilitation. Don't get me wrong, we've moved there over the last 10 to 20 years, but we haven't gone far enough that way. And as you've pointed out, if we've looked at it on that level instead, you might deal with the drug issue. And as you've also raised, why are people using drugs? If we don't look at that in the first place, how the hell are we ever gonna stop this? You get rid of one dealer, another one will pop up yeah you get rid of one you might get another three popping up it might yep. be like you know you chop off the dragon's head and three more pop up it's just yeah. going to keep happening until you stop the root cause or deal with that anyway yeah i mean there's just too much easy money to be made as simple as that i don't think people have an idea of how much money is swelling around in the drug trade i mean i've been i've i've seized millions and probably millions of dollars you know it's all cash you know it's being shipped around Australia as we speak in backs of trucks and stuff. It's just so, there's so much money swirling around that it just attracts people to that world to make easy, quick money without too much effort, really. Uh, and that's not going to change until you do something to kind of take them out of the equation. Um, you know, addiction in any form is sad. And like I've dealt with so many people who are addicts of various drugs. And whatever you think of that individual, are they responsible for their situation? Well, yeah, they're the one who took the drugs. But, you know, addiction is horrible and it is sad. And, like, there is no – no one is a happy addict. There's no such thing as, like, you know, my life is going great. So I thought, what can I do to my life to make it better? I know I'll get on the meth pipe because that's bound to make things better. You know, it, it's a catalogue of trauma and just dysfunction and unhappiness. And that's what leads people into, you know – if it's serious drugs, we're talking about meth and heroin, you know, no one is using those drugs because it was a lifestyle choice because, you know, it sounded like a fun thing to do. No, I completely agree with you. And 
again, it goes back to the root cause or why that person's gone into it. And this goes back to another point you've made, which is look spot on. It's interesting. Your view is very progressive and I appreciate that because I think a lot of people don't understand that there's people in your position, the police, who also don't like what they are enforcing. I've had magistrates say a similar thing, by the way, where they don't appreciate the drug laws anymore and they think they're a bit archaic and outdated. But when you look at someone who doesn't have a criminal history or someone that has no other issues, they're not a violent person, they're generally okay in what they're mm -hmm. doing, but they have a serious drug problem. It might be related to their mental health or something else. Yep. And for example, cannabis is one of the biggest self it's used for self-medication for mental health all the time by clients that i've had and i'm people yep. i'm sure people that you've seen as well you now criminalize that person give them a criminal record because they've been caught two three four times they might be facing jail the next time what good is that going to do they're not going to go to jail mm -hmm. come out and go i'm going to stop smoking cannabis number one they're probably no. going to smoke in there anyway because anyone that yep. thinks there's no drugs in jail that's a policy complete policy yep. in fact certain jails have easier access to drugs than the street mm -hmm. but number two they go in and me and dave have discussed this on other episodes or other podcasts where they're probably going to learn more bad things not good things to yep. use that term and come out worse and probably going to hate the system and hate everyone around that yep. is going to make them a worse criminal and that's probably going to lead them to institutionalization which none of us want for society no no exactly and uh you know punishing look i understand society has a need to punish people i'm not saying we should do away with prisons at all you know, there are some people who should be in prison. It's as simple as that. But we also have to realise that at the moment, we're, we're just imprisoning people without actually making any difference. So maybe for six months or 12 months, they're not committing a crime. Now, the crime they were committing was probably, you know, using drugs anyway. Would they have committed other crimes to do that? Possibly. So maybe that's stopping somebody from doing a burglary or breaking into a car or whatever. But when they come out... Are they in any way kind of, uh, what's the word? Are they, are they, have they been kind of affected by prison so they're rehabilitated? No. You know, there's no, you know, if you speak to people who've been to prison, and I've spoken to a lot of people who've been in prison, there are programs available, but they are, A, not particularly uh, easily accessible depending on where what your background is. And also, there's quite a lot of peer pressure in the prison, you know, to, to not to be part of that anyway. And I there's a huge opportunity for rehab certainly in western australia you know rehab at the moment western australia is a complete and total joke you know and um it is all a mixture of well-meaning doing their best charities and ngos etc all trying to do their bits and pieces and setting up private rehab things like that but this should be something that the government is controlling i mean we've just built some nice big quarantine camps in western australia i mean you know maybe we could use those for rehab That'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? You know, what would we use them for? So, I don't know. I just think we have a huge opportunity. If we really want to make society a better society, then we have to accept that, A, drug use is part of it, because that's the choice that people, some people have made, and that we have to understand that some people are going to make bad decisions about that. Just like some people abuse alcohol, some people who take drugs will abuse drugs. And that's that's to do with their personality, genetics, experience trauma whatever um and we as a society should want to try and get that person back to being a functioning member of society and we as a society have to realize that isn't going to happen at all if we just lock people up and do nothing else that's not fixing the problem it's just rearranging the deck chairs on the titanic for six months really that's it 
You know what's interesting about it? You're, you're spot on right. You, you're not fixing the problem. I think, unfortunately, some people feel better about it and some people feel that punishment and being punitive is the only way forward. And I think it's kind of retribution nearly because they feel that these people have committed all these crimes. Yeah. But I think, firstly, people have come to an understanding about who uses drugs. That would be big and we yeah. can work on it from there. And that is a problem that I think mainstream media have not assisted with because really we have a pretty big middle-class population who uses drugs. And mm -hmm. out of that percentage, Dave, I'd love to actually then narrow it down and go through the professionals that use it. And like I said, I've only got my anecdotal experience. You've got your experience uh, from being a police officer where you're seen as well. But both of us know that it's not just segregated to one society or it's no. not just one proportion of the one side proportion of society using it and rather than look at it that way if we open our eyes to the whole issue we might be able to deal with this yeah. in a different way but what is that going to take i guess is the next question but it, look i just wonder and i don't see it from any of the major political parties even wanting to have a discussion about it you know i mean i'm not saying that tomorrow we could decriminalize all drugs and you know just carry on there's lots of work to be done but you have to start having a conversation at some point. And I just don't see, I haven't seen any politicians really kind of brave enough to actually, you know, raise this with people. Because I think the way the media has kind of you know, educated the, the, the customers or the, 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 uh, the public, drugs bad, drug dealers worse. And, um, you know, it's, it's such a nuanced problem, but people just want punishment and retribution because they've been burgled and i understand that you know but it's a, such a big problem that we have to find alternative ways to fix it because it's just not what we're doing isn't working so you know it's the old saying you know, if, you, if you keep doing the, the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is literally the definition of insanity but that is the legal system as it relates to drugs and all we can see is that you know we've doubled how many people were arrested between 2000 2010-11 and 2019-20, we doubled how many people in Australia were, were arrested. It went from 82,000 to 166,000, you know, in one year, just purely for drug offences. So all the hard work, you know, I, in that nine years I spent working my nuts off in drug enforcement, essentially all that happened was more and more people got arrested for, for, for drug offences. So you could argue that's a good result. But if the seizures have gone on, gone up and up, but more and more people are using drugs, it just means that more drugs are coming into the country. So, you know, and, and I'm not alone. I spoke the other day to a guy who's been a drug investigator for, for a lot of years. And I, I, we were talking about this very subject. And I said, you know, that my view is it's time to do something different, expecting him to kind of go, what? And he was like, no, I totally agree. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, a lot of us who've worked in this world have just got to the realisation that, you know, we're just working hard having fun because like drug investigation as you know for copper is really exciting work but are we really making a difference probably not you know and like we want society to be better than that the jury's out on that one as we say well i'd say probably deliberated by now and come back and figure yeah. out that it's not working yeah, well, exactly. i think there's certain you do want to target and if you if we focus just on targeting the higher echelon in the drug mm -hmm. trade I guess part of the problem is they're not here anyway, as you've suggested. So yep. that's an issue. But let's just say they were here and that's who you were targeting. That's one thing. But targeting the minions and the runners and the people who are 
or who possess the drug is not helping anyone. You're creating more of a problem, arguably, and I'd say is a strong argument for that. You're not dealing with the issue at all. And what you pointed out in the statistics, right, going from 82,000 arrests to 160-odd thousand, that could, could it be more users? Could it be the fact that the police have just cracked down on something that's not working? Or it's not, the point is either way, the growing number of arrests means there's no improvement. Mm. There's yeah, no I'm, improvement. I haven't got the figure in front of me, but from memory, something in the 80% of that was basically for simple drug offenses, so possession, you know, so See, and, and that's, yeah. And that's utterly ridiculous in itself because out of those possession offences, a lot of those possession offences would have been, look, some of them may have been they've just pulled someone over, someone's just walking down yeah. the street, they're inebriated or whatever, they picked them up, smell of alcohol, realise they've got drugs on them. Why? Why at that point charge that person? Look, unless they've caused an issue, there's a fight yeah. or something like that. It could be many reasons. But a lot of these possession offences, some of them come around festivals, some of them come, and quite a few of them come when this person's committed something that is completely out of the ballpark like they may have done something stupid elsewhere or mm -hmm. it could have been something else and completely irrelevant to the drug offense and they've just happened yeah. to be found or searched yeah. for another reason so the improvement and what we're actually getting out of it is still an interesting issue mm -hmm. now it's one that has to be discussed i think we're going to be discussing this for a while because i don't see the change coming anytime soon the only political party and i hate to say it that i've seen speaking about this at all or that's even raised it in any way is probably the greens yeah Unfortunately, I don't see eye to eye with them on everything else. No. Quite, I don't know exactly where they stand with this right now, yeah. but they're probably the only party that I can turn to that said anything, that's mentioned anything about this and tried to deal with this issue in any meaningful way. Yeah, politicians run scared of it because it's not seen for them as being, a, I think, a vote winner, you know, because like if you look at, I suppose, the Libs, they want to be seen as being tough on crime and uh, it doesn't fit with that kind of like uh, that narrative. You know, but there are examples around the world. Portugal now has been 20 years of decriminalised possession. And, you know, the, the figures are all out there for everyone to look at. It has had a, a tremendously positive effect on not just, obviously, taking the weight off the courts and things like that, but drug use. You know, there was, you know, predictions that drug use was going through the ceiling and blah, blah, blah. That hasn't happened at all. Drug deaths have decreased significantly. And they are treating, you know, drug use as it should be as a, you know, as a, as a medical issue. You know, it's, it's a, if you're a drug addict, that's a medical problem. You know, how you got there, well, that, that, that's a different matter of time. But it is a, once you're an addict, you, are, you have a medical problem that has to be treated. Otherwise, it's not going to go away. So, you know, there are examples, but there's very few examples of decriminalization, which has been successful. But Portugal has been a shining example. And... Um, I think, look, my expectation in Australia is, A, I think we're getting somewhere like in 10 years' time at the current rate of knots, maybe cannabis might be decriminalised across Australia. That's how slow we move. But again, how can you have national drug policy with every state having completely their own set of drug laws, different things that are legal, different things that are illegal, uh, different penalties, so you know, do you think there should be a set of national drug laws? Is that the only way to actually achieve anything? Look, it's probably not the only way, but it would be one of the best ways. And in fact, best ways. Uh, if you haven't heard me before, if you're new to what I say, I actually don't support state government at all. I think it's just stupid and we don't need state government at all in Australia. So which would lead to 
this as well, having a federal, having federal laws on this rather than state laws, but having different laws in and amongst the states and territories does cause problems. And Dave, it's a good point. You say, for example, you can smoke cannabis in the ACT, you cross over the border into New South Wales, and now all of a sudden, bang, you've done something illegal, you're doing something illegal. Where's the sense in that? People might turn to America and say similar things happens there, but why are we looking at a country that's not doing very well either? I don't think America is the yeah. shining light or the thing that we should be, the country we should be emulating. Regardless. But you can't argue, you can't, you can't argue that drugs bad. So if cannabis is bad for your health, and that's the argument why it's illegal, then it can't be legal in one state and and illegal in the other state because your argument just falls you know, in a heap. You know, it's 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 law for law's sake, really. And you know, I've spent some time, quite a bit of time in America before the the pandemic, and um, it's it's quite a, it's such a different kind of culture going to different states. Obviously, it's legal in some places, illegal in others. Um, certainly, in like uh, in LA, every third shop appears to be a weed shop these days, and um, the, the money changing hands is is astronomical. Um, I think uh, when I was there one time, it was made legal in Nevada. So Vegas went absolutely gangbusters with that. But in some states like Texas, is still illegal. So yeah, there is a kind of, um, you know, there, there's not a, 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 a um, clear guideline across the whole of America. But, you know, Canada, it's all completely legal now. But, you know, I just don't see what we're achieving by having cannabis illegal. I, I, I can't, if someone could explain to me what the benefit of cannabis being illegal is then I'll, I'll you know i'm happy to listen to that argument but what i've seen with cannabis is that like any drug it's when kids are exposed too young for it that's when it causes problems i've seen 12 year old kids who have been smoking cannabis since they were eight years old who are uh, although you can't get chemically addictive to cannabis they basically can't function without it so they smoke from the moment they wake up pretty much to the moment they go to sleep every day, you know, at 12, 13 years old. Now, that's obviously not a good thing, but that's happening now and it's illegal. So, you know, if we were to legalise, regulate the supply, that actually could we could actually improve that situation, whereas at the moment it's just coming through the black market. And then obviously yeah, cannabis can be a cheap, you know, I guarantee you if I wanted to, I could go out and buy cannabis, I could get some under five minutes, you know, in a small town where I live, you know, because because it's that easy, it's, that, it's everywhere. So I would just like to see us put that to one side and move on. And then we can talk, talk about things like party drugs. Party drugs is a classic one, you know. If we don't think our kids are using party drugs like they're going out of fashion, well, we're kidding ourselves, to be honest, yeah, because it's uh, it shocked me how much it's, it's being used these days. I had it, one of the last jobs I did before I left. Um, long story short, I was chatting to a young lad who'd been attacked and I said to him, mate, look, you're not in trouble for this, but, you know, the Ambo is going to ask you what you've been, maybe had any drugs tonight. He goes, oh, yeah, no, I've had um, MDMA and ketamine and cocaine. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's what kids do these days. They are getting their drugs sometimes through a dealer, sometimes on the dark web, and they are preloading or, you know, before they go out because, A, going to a pub is so expensive these days. And that's just something that is socially acceptable to them. So again, do do people not do that because it's illegal? I don't know about that. So do we want our kids to have access to 
drugs that aren't full of rat poison and borax, which come, which you can get from a pharmacy, or should we just keep them buying them through the black market? See, and this is the thing, as you said, you don't know what's in there. If there's anything that's going to kill your children, it's going to be that. If you can at least yeah. control what's in there or have some guidelines around it, it changes it a little bit. And if you allow the research onto it, you'll find out a lot more about these drugs in the first place, which if it's illegal, it's unethical to test it, right? That's the mm -hmm. other dilemma that we yeah. have. So you have that too. But look, you've also raised a very good point. Parents often don't know what their kids are doing. And that's regardless of their children's age. They mm -hmm. assume they know, but come on, let's be real. Let's think back to when we were younger. Did you tell your parents absolutely everything? Because there's a small no. percentage of people that probably yeah. did, but most of us didn't. And there's probably a reason why you didn't. Like I'm yeah. sure I wouldn't be telling people what I was doing when I was some of my parents, I should say, when I was 15, 16, because no. I'd be freaked out. And it's probably the same with other people, yourself and other yeah. people, Dave. So why now do we think our kids are going to be treating us the exact same way? My parents all used to say to me, wait till you have kids and you'll know. And I think that's yeah. the best best thing I've ever said to me because factual, yeah. in time, you'll learn a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, it, it just, nothing upsets me more when you see, uh, and it always makes headlines because it's so tragic. You see some kid who's gone out and, you know, taken a couple of tablets and end up killing them. You know, it's just a tragic waste of life. But again, it's already illegal. So, you know, they knew the risk. And decided that was okay. Do we want to harm minimization? Is something that's talked about a lot in drugs. Do we want to minimize the risk that that you know of having an overdose or you know purity or it's full of crap or these tragedies are just going to keep happening? And unfortunately, if you actually look at the figures, there's not a ton of them in Australia, but they always make headlines because, to be honest, it's normally some nice middle class kid who you know goes to private school and like, you know, took a tablet one day and it killed him. And it's a tragedy. But um, that's why it makes headlines, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you know, people die of overdoses every day, but frankly, no one gives a shit because, you know, they're just seen as being society's kind of underbelly. But yeah, I just think we have to think of a better way than having police dogs at the entrance to, you know, festivals, that kind of stuff. And, you know, if you, if we are going to not, legalize these and just decriminalize it because you know again you got some 17 18 year old with three ickies in their pocket do we want to ruin their life you know do, is that really gonna is that helping anybody is it helping that child is it helping the society no it's not actually doing anything positive so i would love us to be able to have this discussion about what we do next because one thing I want to add to what you've said is when you look at children or young adults from 18 to their early 20s, when they think about what they've you know, previously done in their early 20s and when they hit their 30s, say, for example, a few years down the track, they don't necessarily think, shit, we've done the right thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will say, okay, maybe that wasn't right. But now let's take a step back. You criminalise them in their 20s. They carry that. And they may not be able to be a fun, like a better member of society in their thirties, which if you just let it go in the first place, yeah, maybe they would be. And again, I think it comes to how you deal with it. But just hitting them in their twenties for something that for some people is a stupid mistake. But then also going back to that private school kid, for example, that you used, let's uh, hazard a bet that a lot of these private school kids have been using quite a bit. Then all 100%. of a sudden. One of them just used it one day, used the wrong yeah. one, unfortunately, one that was tainted, passed away, and as you said, hit the news. Yeah. And I probably painted it as 
using it on a one-off time or the only time because none of their friends are going to come clean saying they use it all the time and their parents won't have any idea that party drug use is endemic and certainly in that kind of like middle that sort of like middle class or like private school yeah 100 percent, it is being used is rife um right across australia and um you know i don't think anything is going to change that anytime soon i mean the interesting thing outside of traditional illicit drugs the drugs that actually kill more people in Australia are actually opioids, the majority of which are actually prescribed drugs. So if you look at the horrendous situations happening in America, where I think for the first time uh, last year, over 100,000 people died of opioid, opioid uh, overdoses. Um, although we're nowhere near there because of our population size, it is actually becoming a real problem in Australia and drugs such as uh, Oxycodone and fentanyl are now, you know, being regularly uh, found as the cause of people's deaths, and those are drugs that people are getting from the doctor. So, you know, it's not just about the drug. You know, we we think of drugs, we think of drug dealers and crooks and things like that. Prescription drugs, you could argue, are actually as big, if not a bigger problem. You know, I've seen people um, dexamphetamine, all those kind of drugs. There's a massive black market for those. People go to doctors, they get prescribed 50, they sell 20, use 30, and then go to another doctor's and get another prescription. And that's how things carried on. So, you know, again, it comes back to, you know, why are so many people using drugs? Yeah. You know? What is your view? Why has drug use gone through the roof? I think several reasons. The party, I mean, there's different reasons for different drugs. Some is peer pressure. Some is excitement to go to the next level. There's psychedelics, which people think will give them a different type of experience. For example, that's another mm -hmm. realm of why people use it. I think sometimes it's just for something different, Dave. Like, to be honest, I think sometimes it's just for something different. But part of the other reason is when someone says, don't do it, you're like, shit, let's go do it. You know, I think a lot of people are in that position too, because like, you know what, let's actually try what this is. Why are we getting told we shouldn't do it? Yeah, they mm -hmm. tell you it's bad in school and what it does and what it may do, but it doesn't necessarily work, yeah, especially so, with yeah. drugs like cannabis. Yeah, so, I think it's, that's just a good point. I mean, maybe the criminalization of drugs actually to a certain degree works in their favor because it's seen as being, ooh, a bit kind of like, you know, being a bit kind of a, you know, being a bit risky and like, you know, take a chance and, you know, maybe that adds to the the excitement of first use because, I don't know. I think it's a, a generational thing. I remember when I, when I was as a teenager, the only drugs that was really around was a bit of cannabis around. And then I knew people that um, took the old style of amphetamine, the old powder based amphetamine. But there just weren't really drugs about. And there seems to be just a lot more social acceptance of, of drug use in general. And uh, it just it makes me kind of think, you know, what what has driven that? Is it because people are, is, is life just not very fulfilling these days that we have to look towards escapism through drugs? I don't know. I mean, it's, maybe it's just I'm an old bloke and uh, I, I don't understand what, you know, the world's moved. When I was 18 years old, I just go out and get blotto on alcohol. Is that the same thing as going out and getting off your head on some tablets? Maybe. Maybe it's the same thing. So maybe nothing's changed. Both, though, Dave. Uh -huh. A lot of people just go both. A lot of people do both. The alcohol yeah. index tablets yeah. does. They both have counter effect, really. So, I actually look. I don't know either. And here's the thing: 
regardless of age, I actually don't even understand. And I know people that have used and I often wonder why they do it too. Like in the end, your call, do whatever you want. But I don't, it's a really difficult one to answer. I wonder, I'm sure there's been studies done on it or some opinion pieces written on it, but ultimately how far they've dug into it's another question because it's a good one. And because mm. that again goes to the underlying issue, right? Yeah, I mean, I can only speak from my experience of working as a, as a human source handler, talking to people who are every single one of them was a drug user. And, you know, their experience, they're using drugs because their life sucks, basically. You know, they've got, a, they've had horrible lives, horrible, traumatic lives full of just misery and dysfunction. And they are taking drugs to escape that reality. So that, take care, that takes care of a certain percentage of the population. But like I said before, that isn't everybody, you know, that's not, you know, it'd be lovely if, it was, if the problem was just 5% of people who was society's underbelly and that was the only problem with drugs, no dramas, we can deal with that, but it isn't, you know, if, if, was it, if it was 43% of people were admitting taking drugs, I mean, what's the actual figure? It has to be higher than that. So the problem is much, much deeper than just, I had a terrible childhood and was abused and I've ended up on heroin. It's, you know, it's, it's personal choice, people making a decision that they want to seek to escape the world they're currently in, you know, through drug use. And certainly kids, I have spoken to kids and it's just what you do. You basically, you do your job or your school all week. And then Friday night, you just get on the disco biscuits and you know, that's it. That that's just how you escape your week. And that's just how they live every single week. Uh, and yeah, I guess modern life isn't quite so fulfilling as it could be. A lot of the people I've spoken about that have used drugs or use drugs regularly, they don't do it. They, they don't do it because they had a bad, terrible childhood. They, it's something else. It mm. might be the escaping their environment, yep. the excitement it gives them, whatever it is. But I can tell you, a lot of these people have had great childhoods, great parents. Mm -hmm. So nothing like that. There's no trauma or severe trauma that they can link it to. It's purely experimental. That's gone somewhere else, or they enjoy something about it. So then if you're targeting everyone that way you're also missing a lot of people but again there are people who are going to listen to this who do not believe that there are professionals or people of that caliber and those professions that use drugs and you really need to understand they are there mm. and that's why it's such a complex question in the first place mm. well, drugs are endemic in our society and their use is endemic and um i think there has to be a an acceptance of that in the first place because until you accept that it's not just the, you know the crackhead down the road who's on drugs it's basically your next door neighbor or it could be a teacher you know there was a case very recently which is still about to go to sentencing down here you know of a high school teacher you know who was caught you know de dealing drugs so you know it, it, yeah it happens it's interesting like if you look at australia drug use or types of drug use is different in different parts of the country so you know, New South Wales has always had high cocaine use for whatever reason, whereas in Western Australia, we are just meth crazy over here. We just love the stuff. You know, our meth use is absolutely off yeah. the charts. Uh, and what comes along with that? And this is the difference people understand about drug use is that the person who is smoking cannabis or popping a couple of pills or even doing a line of cocaine is not going to break into your house and steal your car to buy some more. It is the people who are taking meth and to a lesser degree heroin who have to find a large amount of money every day to fund their addiction so you know if you're a, a meth addict a point of meth um 
somewhere between 50 and 70 dollars uh, in Western Australia, you know, you might use two or three points a day. So, you know, you're coming, you've got to come up with at least a thousand dollars a week just to kind of fund your habit. So, how, how do we expect people like that to f to fund that habit? They haven't got a job, yeah. You know, that so, what they're going to do? They're going to commit more crime in society. So, people understand that the, the drug problem is not just about the person who is suffering from drug addiction. It is the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of offences that they may commit um, just to, to fund that habit. So if you deal with that problem, you also reduce the crime rate massively and the impact on people's lives. So it's a win-win-win for the whole of society. If you can get somebody who is currently a meth addict to not be a meth addict anymore, I don't know if you could work out what the benefit cost-benefit is to society, but it would be huge because these people are committing so many offences every single day just to fend to, to you know to supply them with meth and um they're not going to stop oh, well you put it this way you're not just going to stop them by saying oh you're going to go to jail if you don't yeah. stop you need to deal with it very differently and the jails are very limited in the programs they have for rehabilitation there's obvious reasons for that and quite frankly that's not going to stop them reoffending when they get out anyway, even if you manage to stop them for a couple of months or a few months while they're in there, which generally you can't, but let's just yeah. say you actually can do that. So, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, okay. I mean, going back many years ago, there was a lot of public furor about them, like the shooting galleries and having you know public injection sites for heroin addicts. Obviously, King's Cross was kind of famous for that. But, you know, where do people want the heroin addicts to inject themselves but they prefer to do it in their front garden or you know in some kind of controlled environment it's just, it's a really hard one for society because it's, it's it makes us deal with stuff that we really don't want to confront or think about until it lands on our doorstep but there are you know of those what was it 1842 deaths in 2020 i would wager that probably or at least 1500 of those would be as well of either heroin opioids um, fentanyl, because fentanyl is a new one now, but fentanyl, they reckon now, is just killing thousands and thousands and thousands of people in America because it's so strong compared to heroin. So, yeah, we have to remember that where did the, all these addicts come from in the first place? That was because they opened pain clinics in most of my American cities that were pumping out oxycodone like it was like smarties um, because they were incentivized to do so by the big pharma. And when the oxycodone doesn't work anymore or you can't get them, what else are you going to do? Well, you're going to use the heroin next. And then when that doesn't work anymore, you're going to use the fentanyl because it's 100 times stronger than heroin. And when you're playing around with 100 times stronger than heroin, guess what? You may well overdose. And again, these people are not like the scum of the earth. These were like people who had a bad back and went. To, there's so many stories. It's a, it's a horrifying story. Yeah, you went to the pain clinic for a bad back. And five years later, you're dead with fentanyl, you know, overdose. And behind every one of those is a, is a, just a broken family. Oh, completely, completely. But that's something that's generally overlooked, isn't it? Because yeah. you just want to paint it as a single isolated issue in a small, very small issue that we can deal with easily. Just lock them all up and that's it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. drugs, lock them up or arrest them. As you said, arrest your way out of it. You're not it arresting is. your way out of this. It's been interesting because there's actually been a number of senior ex-coppers. I think the previous AFP commissioner even said, you know, we cannot arrest our way out of you know, this, this drug situation. Um, so it just, it's not politically expedient to talk of such things. 
um, which you know brings us back to you know party politics in Australia and the fact that people aren't free to kind of express their views within the party political system. So, what's the first step? I don't know. I think the first step is to is to do what we're doing here and talk about it, and hopefully we can get just some people to have a discussion. You know, people need to sit down and talk to their kids about drugs and have as open and honest discussion about it as possible. Um, from and come from the perspective that you know the, the world has changed. Just say no, you know, Nancy Reagan, you know, it didn't really work too well for her, to be honest, yeah. So, you know, that is not the answer. Just say, just don't use drugs. That would be great. If there was no drug use in the world, wouldn't that be fantastic? But human beings have always used drugs. We have to remember that things like, you know, magic mushrooms have been used two or 3,000 years recorded and probably a lot more than that. DMT is the same. Cannabis has been used for thousands of years. So human beings have always found a way to use drugs to alter their consciousness and that isn't going exactly. to stop yeah ayahuasca is another one people yeah. just don't understand it's not as simple as just it's not as simple as what people have made it out to be yes there are newer drugs now and some of them were created in the 90, uh, 90 sorry the 1900s but a lot of them are not and the ones mm. that you mentioned ayahuasca these are ancient these have been yeah. used for many many years yeah, yeah. so i'd love to do it ayahuasca ceremony one day there you go. Be, it'd be amazing yeah I mean, interesting, before we finish up, interesting study that came out of America and they dealt with uh, a, I think it was over 200 violent criminals. So violent criminals in prison committed violent offences and they basically gave them uh, in a controlled environment uh, psychosyllabins, so magic mushrooms. And they then followed them in the years after they were released from prison and not a single one of them ever got convicted of a violent offence ever again. So, you know, there is, they're starting, there's now starting to be lots of research into the, uh, I guess you call it the clinical use of these, of these terrible drugs. And, um, you know, maybe that's something good and something, something bad because I've, I've read stories of like PTSD being treated by microdosing of MDMA and things like that. So there are, you know, not only do we have a, have a good discussion about, you know, decriminalizing drugs but maybe trying to use some of their power for good as well pop and meth i completely agree with you and i think it's yeah. just a as you said it was very interesting how slow the snail's pace that we're actually traveling at yeah. we need to look at this a lot quicker and a lot faster we need, to be more, we need to be more efficient with this because the slower the longer we leave it you're pushing the issue down the road. You're potentially creating a lot more of an issue to deal with in 20, 30, 40 years time. Mm -hmm. So the sooner we get to it, the better it is for our future generations and even us, us now. It is. And the force of the law just takes such a long time to change. It's always discussed that, you know, to change any kind of law is just a long process. I remember back in about 2014, we had the kind of first sort of lot of like synthetic cannabis which was, which was coming into Australia and back then because there were so many different chemical uh, formations of it they'd make one illegal and then the next week they just change the formula and for one that wasn't illegal so you know the, and by the time the law caught up they actually changed the statute they'd moved on to another one so you know the law unfortunately doesn't work very quickly in these situations but it's cultural change i think that has to actually come first if you and societal change will drive the change of the law if we're waiting for the law to drive kind of culture and society. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, to be honest. So what do you think? Hey, look, it's not common. You know, judicial activism works sometimes, but it's usually the other way around. Society changes, law changes. 
law very rarely. It does happen, but in an area like this especially it won't. You'll need to see society change and then go the other way. I completely agree. And waiting for the law to change is just, I think it's a bit asinine, to be honest. It's just not going to, it's problematic. And really, you could be waiting a very, very, very long time. We need to drive indeed. that change as people. Yeah, indeed. So in closing, really, I guess, uh, hopefully you enjoy listening to, to us and watching us. All I want you to do really is have a think about this. Is, is we've got to start thinking about things at a deeper level in Australia and the world in general. Um, you know, life is not the Kardashians and um, the latest crap on TV. There are real proper serious things that we need to kind of think about and have conversations. So talk to your family, talk to your friends, you know, leave a comment if you disagree or whatever. And like, um, you know, we thank you for listening. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Dave. And we'll catch everyone next time.